0: The Taz and Jim Podcast. And did you hear the big news on the weekend? This is crazy. Guess who is playing the Grey Cup halftime show in Hamilton this November? It
1: up. I think I'm up day.
0: And it's funny. This is a huge announcement. Oh, it's a big get. But still, I saw people complaining about it on social media.
2: That's silly. Green Day would be a good Super Bowl halftime show. You know what I, I mean? I agree. They, uh, I'm, I'm a casual fan of Green Day. had Dookie growing up, a couple of the albums, American Idiot. It was one of the best concerts I've ever seen in my life.
0: I'm not going to say surprisingly good, but the first time I saw Green Day... My expectations were blown away. Yeah. Second time they were met because I had raised the bar Yeah, because they were so good the first time. They are an incredible, high-energy, live band mm-hmm. and one of the biggest rock and roll bands in the world. Someone was like, oh, they're some washed-up band from the 90s. It's like, it's like, okay, guys, relax. Yeah. Haven't, by the way, haven't we been hoping for ACDC at Super bowl <laughs> We want legends to play these shows and Green yes. Day are legends. Absolutely. Then there's the argument, oh, why isn't it a Canadian band playing? Does that mean The Weeknd shouldn't have performed at the Super Bowl? Because he's not American. Mm-hmm. Or Shania Twain. She did the Super Bowl. She's Canadian.
2: Did she do the Super Bowl, Shania? I'm I'm pretty sure. Think Don't you remember she went up, 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 and then she was like in a crane? Or was that the Grey Cup? Might have there? been the Grey <laughs> Cup. Oh, dang it. I'm on <laughs> my own point. <laughs> Shania was 20, 2003 Super Bowl. Okay, I'm not Super crazy. Bowl? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah
0: nice. Good point, Jim. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Exactly. <laughs> well, this just keeps getting better and better. The Great Cup coming up November 19th at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. And uh, over the weekend, we found out Ty Cats clinch. They are in the playoffs. Amazing. That is going to be uh, insane if they're able to get hot at the right time here. Mm hmm. And end up playing in that game in the hammer, home turf. And then the other big story on the weekend was, and this kind of hit us, blindsided us out of nowhere. We found out the halftime performer at the Great Cup is going to be Green Day. The Green Cup. We've got our pal Jerry Fonzo, the GM of the Grey Cup Festival, joining us here. Nice get, Jerry.
3: <laughs> awesome news, isn't it? Oh, amazing!
0: Hi. Like I, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was a mistake initially. I was like, "What? No, that can't be right." But Green oh, Day, no. Green Day's working on something. They've been teasing something on their website and social media. So I knew an announcement was coming. I had no idea that this would be a part of it.
3: Yeah, it's pretty incredible news. I think we got everyone's attention, and uh, we did it in a very creative way, basically announcing it during the halftime of our last game. Yeah.
2: it was It was our producer, Ryan, who was at the game, who texted Taz and I. And I was like, is this a, t- what is, happening? this is amazing. Yeah, we're like, have, it. have yeah. another one. Did, was yeah, Ryan sure, drinking a lot of those
0: cheap beers before the game started? <laughs> What's going on? But yeah, Green Day is coming. Now, Green Day CFL fans, or how was this, how did this all come together, Jerry?
3: Well, um, as you can imagine, it takes some time to put this type of stuff together a few months. Um, in the works between ourselves and the league, of course, as big partners on this. Um, bringing Green Day in, I think, you know, for myself, selfishly, probably being uh, one of those fans that bought their CDs and uh, cassettes back in the day, I mm-hmm. think it's, uh, it's perfect for our fan base. Um, so I think it really speaks volumes to the type of fans that we're going to have at the game, the demographics, and obviously the type of music and the caliber that Green Day brings, right? Yeah. You, know, you talked about it the excitement that you guys have. Well, you can only imagine yesterday, when, uh, or sorry, not yesterday, Saturday night, when we announced at a halftime. Uh, nobody was leaving their seats. We basically said this is kind of happening right now. And um, and everyone's staying in their seats waiting for it. And as soon as Kate Burness jumps on the screen and tells everybody about uh, Green Day being the performance, um, we went on the rest of the second half and, and played a bunch of the Green, Bay, Green Day best hits. And you can only imagine there's got to be over a dozen great hits uh, from that band. Yeah, we, I'll,
0: I'll read one of the text messages, and we've got many through the morning. People are like, are you kidding me? Taz and Jim, first concert I went to back in the day was Green Day on the Dookie Tour at the Old <laughs> Forum in Montreal. It was insane. One of the best shows I've ever seen. Ultra high energy. And that's what you want in a halftime performance. That energy just to be palpable through the TV screen.
3: That's right, and we talk about it, and we've talked about it all. Great Cup, but we've been working on Great Cup now for the past few years. You know, we had it in 21, uh, wasn't the way we wanted, so we kind of have a makeover to do right now for the uh, 2023 season. And we've tried making Great Cup this year extra special, and trying to think about ways how can we bring it to the next level and create memories. Right at the end of the day, we want to make sure that people in five years from now or seven years from now are talking about that Great Cup that was in the hammer. And uh, and I think bringing in Green Day is next level, and I'm sure you guys heard the news as well that Saturday was also special because uh, great uh, sorry Carrie Underwood tickets went on sale as well that day. Yeah. Uh, so again, trying to bring everything to the next level when you kind of make uh, music meets football.
0: Another huge name, Carrie Underwood. I mean, country music. She's mm-hmm. like top of the list. And the Friday before the big game on the Sunday, she is going to be performing at First Ontario Center.
3: That's correct, right? So we always think about it as uh, Great Cup is a week-long event, right? A lot of people mix up and think it's only just the uh, the game itself. But when you're the host city, and in this case being the Great Cup Festival uh, general manager, we're trying to think of what are all the things we can do and embrace our community. So we're branching out. It starts as early as Monday that week, where we start having uh, different events, different ceremonies. Uh, Thursday is when basically our Great Cup Music music Festival begins. So Uh, there will be a music performance every night beginning Thursday, so Thursday through Sunday. Uh, We haven't announced the other two yet, so we'll get there Mm -hmm. very shortly, Uh, but very exciting news so far. And we've been encouraging,
0: of course, Y108 listeners are going to be taking part in the festivities, but if you're anywhere in the Taz and Jim listening area, if you're Kitchener-Waterloo, if you're listening on FM 96 in London, plan to go to Hamilton that week, even if you're not going to the football game, you got to go down and just check out the atmosphere. If you've never been around the gray cup festivities before.
3: And you hit it right there. So we have, we have free events going on every day. So beginning Thursday, we close down James street. We have a, um, stage line stage right in the middle there. We're going to have bands playing every day, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And, uh, and you mentioned, but between Carrie Underwood, Starting off the week, Green Day finishing off the uh, the music scene, um, it's going to be one incredible Grey Cup. So I encourage fans, you know, if this is an opportunity to see Green Day, grab your Grey Cup tickets and come on down to the stadium. You know, it'd be cool. What?
0: Green Day, they like did a little club show, like a secret surprise club. This is that's I've, not making. I don't promises, know anything. Jerry be. hasn't said yeah, anything yeah, yeah. to me. Just for the three of us, right? Just
3: for a few. Of yeah, us. So yeah. If, if they show. played
0: in Jerry's backyard for us before, yeah,
3: we wouldn't <laughs> mind. Not not for sure.
0: Or you never know. They are teasing new music, a new album. Maybe they'll, there's going to be some concerts around that date. I don't know. We'll keep an eye on that. But in the meantime, let's get pumped up because this is huge. Green Day, halftime, Grey Cup, November 19th at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. Jerry Fonzo, Grey Cup Festival is really coming together. Thanks for your time here, and let us know if there's anything else you need from uh, Taz and Jim, okay?
3: No problem. Thanks very much for having me, guys. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. You 2
0: kicked off their residency at Sphere in Las Vegas on the weekend. We've been seeing the exterior images of this glowing orb Mm -hmm. (laughs) it looks absolutely stunning from the outside and now we've been able to see it all lit up from the inside uh, through video and photos posted on social media but a good friend of ours was there he saw it in person opening night friday night and he went back for round two on saturday with you too let's welcome our co-worker here at chorus radio DJ Williams to the program. Hey, Deej.
4: Hey, Kaz and Jim. How are you boys? Good, buddy. Best weekend of yeah. your life? It sure was. I mean, it was a spectacle beyond belief. I. Uh, it was a quick in and out to Las Vegas for the weekend, and I'm still buzzing from the show. Well,
0: I know that U2 is one of your all-time favorite bands, and I know that uh, over you know different points in your life, uh, these songs have connected deeply with you what was it like being there in that crowd full of like the biggest names in the world? Oprah Winfrey was there.
4: She sure was. There's a huge uh, list of stars that that made it out from all over the world. I
0: was seeing you posting pictures on social media and I saw LeBron James posting pictures on social media and it looked like your seats were pretty close together. (laughs)
4: Uh, yeah, I'm not exactly sure where he was, but, uh, there, there was a long list of people there. There was a lot of buzz in the room about, uh, you know, just the different the movie stars and, and uh, other musicians that came in for it. So it was pretty special to, to see the respect that the band was getting from their colleagues as well.
0: What was the production like? Because we've been hearing that this concert experience is gonna be next level in terms of visual and sound at Sphere. Did it live up to the hype?
4: It it really did. Um, you know, the one thing that's amazing about this venue is that, um, you know, usually if you go see a U2 concert, it's a tour and they're in a different city in every different night, playing a different venue. And, uh, you know, sometimes when these bands roll into venues that are maybe, you know, a hockey arena or something else, they're not always built for concerts. This one was built to bring and recruit the best of the best. And, one of, the, one of the things right off the bat that, that's shocking is that there's no amplifiers on the stage. There's the, the stage is completely clear hmm. of everything other than drums. And, and uh, so when you, when you walk in, you're just looking at a blank stage. And, Where's the and sound go. coming from then? The sound is built into the walls and so you can't <laughs> see anything and and uh,
0: it really reminds me of of uh, professor Xavier's room in the X-Men what is truly, that truly yeah yeah the cerebrum or C- whatever cerebrum? Yeah, cerebrum it
2: kind of reminds me of like a planetarium if you've ever been to a museum where you, it's like a movie theater, but the entire ceiling and walls are all one giant screen. Cause I saw some videos online and like there, I, I thought maybe it might be a 360 stage where they're right in the middle, but they still are next to a wall, but the wall is rounded behind them and it's one giant screen, the whole thing.
4: Yeah. The screen goes right up to the roof. <clears throat> so the whole time that you're watching the, like, it's a very small stage compared to what you're usually used to. And, uh, and, you know, part of the show is, is the, the, the walls of the building itself. And when we came in to see the show in the very beginning, it, it felt like you were in like a cement concrete, um, room. It just like, there, there was nothing on the walls and, so you didn't really know what to expect. It was just, you were just waiting for how are they going to wow me? Mm -hmm. Um, Is this light show going to be all that it's hyped up to be? And um, just the, you know, all of the facts and figures of this building, you know, it's just, it's just a magical thing. And that's what people are talking about. Right. I mean, I've seen so many U2 shows over the years and the show itself wasn't a whole lot different than anything that I've seen. It's just how they use the room and how they, you know, u two's always breaking new grounds with everything that they do. Um, And it was just nice to see them, them working. Like it was, they, they were part of the show themselves. They, the way they were looking around and seeing it was, was spectacular.
0: Well, you told me that you sensed that Bono was nervous on that opening night
4: there's no question that he was nervous and and it was by far not a perfect show either. Um, there, there were troubles going on a few times that are, you know, no different to any other show or any other band that, you know, they, they knew that in this particular case, um, this is the biggest show that's happened in the music business in years. And, you know, in a place like Vegas where, you know, Elvis and, Frank Sinatra and and so many people have have either made or broken their career over the years and and they played off it it and a lot of the show was actually a tribute to Las Vegas.
0: Yeah, well, they have their new song, Atomic City, that they released on Friday just in time for the opening of Sphere, which ties nicely into the Vegas thing. Um, you were talking to DJ Williams, who's a co-worker of ours. He was down there for the opening night of U2 in Vegas. And then you weaseled your way in tonight night two. You, you have a, a friend who is connected to the band. They got in touch with you and said, do you want to go back? as my guest and be in the VIP section. So you were really in the thick of it on night two.
4: Yeah, it was, it was funny because they, um, they didn't have a lot of VIP sections and they, um, my, my, my friend Susie invited us to, to come as a guest of the band and, uh, join them in the friends and family, uh, kind of backstage area. And then there were a couple different places that we were able to go. And, and, uh, um it was just it was just so surreal to be inside the bowels of of the sphere without you know going into places that no one else has ever seen before no one knew where they were going it was yeah. kind of crazy but but they yeah it was it was it was just so cool to be able to uh Um, see it from that perspective. Now you didn't
0: get to meet the band because you imagine the money that's gone into this production, into this residency, and they were almost quarantined away from everybody, including LeBron James, James and Oprah, uh, because the last thing any of them want is to get sick over the next couple months.
4: And word has been that there's been a little bug going through the area anyway. So I can tell you that um, down in the, the VIP area, Um, and even in Las Vegas, people were, there were some masks being worn, especially within the, uh, the close knit group of the band. So they, uh, you know, just because of everything that was going on, they just can't risk it. They can't risk. You didn't get
0: to meet Bono, but you did get to have a chat with Matt Damon and Jason Bateman. I hear what.
4: I did. Yeah. There, there was uh, it was kind of cool. And you know, the, fir- the first night that we were there, we had amazing seats and we were, we were sitting two rows from the VIP area. So we saw a lot of celebrities coming right in front of us that night as well. But then the next night when we went and did the VIP thing, um, it was just so cool. Like Matt Damon's kind of standing there fist pumping in and, 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 uh, having a couple drinks at the, the, there was a little bar down there. It was just, it was just surreal, but more importantly, what I thought was kind of exciting was, was standing right there with, like I was with Bono's wife and the Edge's family and, and uh, the, some of the core group of the, uh, of, of the band and the touring production uh, uh, many of whom were there from Ireland. It was just such a great, it was like going to a family picnic in a, $2.3 billion room.
0: <laughs> you would recommend that anyone who's even a casual YouTube fan goes to check out this show while it's in Vegas.
4: Absolutely. It, it's, uh, you know, it's just nice to see the YouTube fans walking around the, the venues, everyone wearing different concert shirts from, you know, over the years. And, you know, once again, you, the, the, the Acton Baby uh, album was such a breakthrough album. And, and to come back and celebrate it alongside the the new venue just was such a special thing and so you know at the moment there's only 25 shows booked mm-hmm. and so far my attendance is hundred percent so uh, <laughs> that'll that'll be broken soon I'm sure but uh, but no it was it was it was a life-changing experience to watch you 2 once again break new ground in new technology.
0: Well, we're excited for you knowing that you're one of the biggest fans of the band that I know, and extremely jealous. Did Matt Damon see you cry, DJ? Uh, <laughs> he handed him a know, tissue. I wouldn't
4: blame you if you shed a tear. I'll tell you what was funny was I wasn't as emotional as I usually am, I think just because of the sensory overload <laughs> and trying to make sure I got seeing. But actually Bono cried on the first night, which was really unique. Mm. He, uh, he, um, uh, was longtime friends with Jimmy Buffett and, uh, and a few years ago, Bono and Jimmy Buffett had been flying in an airplane together, um, down South and were actually shot at.
0: I remember that.
4: Yeah. uh, Yeah. And so he, um, he flew in, uh, Jimmy Buffett's family as guests of the show and he very early on in the show was doing a little bit of a, uh, a tribute to him and he got choked up and it was real it, it was it wasn't part of the show were staged and and that was the thing is that they were watching their own show which was just it was really cool to see
2: peacock i want to see your peacock
4: peacock your
2: peacock your peacock are
4: you brave enough to let me see your peacock
0: Taking a look at sports with Devin Peacock, our sports guy. The
1: Blue Jays did it. They clinched a playoff spot. They clinched it. They didn't really clinch it in style. Uh, They (laughs) clinched uh, thanks to uh, the Seattle Mariners uh, losing uh, to the Texas Rangers over the weekend. In fact, uh, the Blue Jays had a pretty bad weekend against the Tampa Bay Rays overall, but... They did enough in the month of September to make the playoffs. And their matchup is not all that bad. I don't think they were really aiming for one or the other. The two options were basically the Tampa Bay Rays or the Minnesota Twins. But by losing, taking the third wild card spot, they now play the Minnesota Twins, a team I think they can beat. Their potential path towards the ALCS is one that I think is achievable for them. Doesn't mean they should be getting uh, ahead of themselves here. If they beat the Twins, they might be playing the Astros, another team I think they can beat. So the Blue Jays have not been great this season, but I do think the teams they could be playing here are ones they can beat and get hot and, you know what, make a little run. The mini twenties, huh? Jim, which
2: game were you at on the weekend? Saturday. It was a close one. Went to extra innings, but the Rays did win.
0: Uh, but that was a good game. that was the day they we found out that they were in the playoffs. Yeah, though. A, so it was, it was a was,
2: weird moment because yeah we left and everybody was kind of bummed and then at dinner we're like hey <laughs> 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 so it was like a default win but
0: we'll take it. <laughs> Even seeing them celebrate with the champagne and stuff, it was like okay guys, you know it's mm, like not goggle worthy. You you made the the playoffs because another team lost. I, save it for like. A big milestone. If you get even out of the wild card, and then maybe spray a little uh, liquid on each other.
1: The celebration was weird because they lost yesterday, so they celebrated a the day after. They won by losing and then they lost again and then they celebrated winning, getting into the playoffs. It's like, I yeah. get it. You want to have the champagne, you want to have that moment, but it felt a little forced.
2: I mean, even if they win the wild card round, they're not looking strong this year. Is,
1: you really think they have a chance? I do think they have a chance, and I'll tell you why. Uh, they have not been the greatest offensive team at home this year. They seem to be hitting better on the road, so going to Minnesota, uh, with the pitching staff they have, because they were able to clinch on Saturday, they were able to hold over Kevin Gossman uh, for the first game on Tuesday. The first round is a best of three, so all they need to do is win two out of three games, and then you get into a, you know, a best of five, then eventually the best of sevens. Their offense has been better in September. Vladdy has been playing better in September. With the pitching they have, the bull open they have they can shorten games and they could take this all the way the Taz and Jim
0: podcast i almost fell off my chair friday when i saw the story pop up on uh, social media that someone has finally been charged with tupac shakur's murder yeah what i never thought we'd see the day tupac of course was shot in 1996 almost 30 years ago and finally, a guy has been charged. His name is Dwayne Keith D. Davis. He was arrested Friday while walking near his home in Las Vegas. Police describe him as, quote, the shot caller in Tupac's murder. Not the shot taker, but the shot caller. Mm-hmm. They say he wasn't the gunman, but police raided his house a few months ago. Don't know what they found, if anything, that convince them that they had a case against him, but he has been charged with one count of murder with a deadly weapon, with a sentencing enhancement for gang activity that could add 20 additional years to whatever time he gets. 60 years old now, so if found guilty, most likely will spend the rest of his life in jail. Now, Keith D wrote a memoir a couple years ago, back in 2019, and he implicated his nephew Orlando Baby Lane Anderson okay. in the shooting. So Baby Lane got in a brawl with Tupac. Remember there's a brawl at a casino before Tupac got murdered? Okay. Baby Lane was involved in that. Anderson died two years after the shooting. Always denied his involvement. And police are saying there there's probably not going to be any more arrests because everyone else that they suspect was involved. ...is already dead.
2: Like Biggie. I thought that was the rumor forever, that it was, was a, a rivalry between the two. Well, there was rumors
0: as well that uh,
2: P. Diddy was the one who ordered... Yeah, yeah. And Suge Knight. The murder. There was a lot of suspects out there. Is this going to stop people from thinking Tupac is still alive, or is that that's still going to be a thing? <laughs>
0: Has been yeah. officially charged? Is that enough? It, it's. It'll be interesting to see what Keith D says on the stand if he does get up there to testify. Many of uh, Tupac's friends say they hope this will give him closure. Thirty years almost after uh, he was murdered, someone has been charged with Tupac Shakur's murder. I uh, I always like when this happens. A cold case gets yeah. hot again.
2: I I, know, I thought the cops had given up. Decades ago.
0: Yeah, I, I'm glad they uh, the investigation continued. Like yeah. they they never stopped looking. Obviously, I thought perhaps a deathbed confession one day. Yeah, those I are like cool. A good deathbed confession. I <laughs> I thought we'd get more deathbed confessions. Hmm.
2: I feel like they're more. Not big grand reveals like, I shot JFK or something like that. It's yeah, that's the like, kind of
0: thing. I thought Jimmy yeah. Hoffa, it's like, I know where he is. All right, guys, I'm on my deathbed. Let me tell you, he's yeah. buried over here in the garbage dump. I think it's more like your dad going,
2: I had a secret
0: family. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Why do I, I'd
2: rather not know. It's
0: the stuff that doesn't make the newspaper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keith D. Davis arrested for Tupac Shakur's murder. The Taz and Jim Podcast. And we've got some wedgie litigation to tell you about. Why do they call it a wedgie?
2: Because the underwear is pulled up from the back until it wedges in.
3: (laughs) They also have an atomic wedgie. Now, the goal there is to actually get the waistband on top of the head. (laughs) Very rare. A
0: woman is suing Walt Disney World, claiming that a water slide gave her a wedgie so badly that it damaged her internal organs. Whoa! The water slide in question. Humunga kawabunga <laughs> in Disney's Typhoon Lagoon water park. This happened on a 30th birthday trip with her family back in 2019, she claims. The woman's name is Emma McGinnis. And she says uh, it's a five-story drop. They... Uh, you get shot in the air at the end of the slide. She went airborne and hit the pool at the bottom so hard, it gave her a life-altering wedgie that damaged her internal organs. She wants Disney to be more upfront about the risks of the slides and ban certain bathing suits that are more wedgie-prone. Your thongs, et cetera, Yeah, I well,
2: I mean, it's already a wedgie. You can't wedge it further.
0: Let's see what this water slide looks like okay here's a pov of humonga kawabunga at typhoon lagoon there he goes down the slide covered slide
1: two.
0: it's not that long no and i you guess can't, you're not going that fast i guess you don't really get shot in the air she must have Hit a bump. <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
2: It looks pretty st- uh, standard. Because I could see if you saw, if you sued Disney World, and because there was a loose bolt and your underwear got caught oh, on can it. Can you imagine? And, and you're, you're actually... dangling
0: there <laughs> halfway down the slide. Yeah.
2: And then you're stuck. That would be an atomic wedgie. But I just, the physics behind just hitting that water, I don't know. Like she's saying internal organ damage. Yeah. Like, I don't know, but you never know, like, the the McDonald's lawsuit, coffee's too hot, everybody rolled their eyes, but then it turned out that there was actual damage, so this might be one of those things. I don't,
0: I don't want to get into too many details, but from what I understand, it might have been more of a front wedgie than a oh, back wedgie. boy. She's seeking $50,000 uh, to cover mental and physical anguish, hospital bills, and the loss of earnings. Fuck. <sighs> I mean... Say what you will about the Canadian medical (laughs) establishment, but at least you're not going to have to remortgage your house if you get a a wedgie on a water slide. (laughs) 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 You you got a wedgie in your front bum, you aren't going to lose your house. Yeah. yeah, I, I mean, I guess you got to cross your legs when you go down water slides, folks. You do say that, right? Always make sure those legs are at least closed, yeah. if not crossed. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. We got to go see The Creator. I want to support this movie because as we were saying, it's a big blockbuster action movie that's not a sequel to something, which For you one. don't see very often. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the most recent big movies, Mission Impossible
2: Seven. What the hell yeah. are we at there? I don't know. Indiana Jones Five. You know, all sequels.
0: Well, look at the box office. I feel bad for the creator because it lost out to, Paw Patrol Two: The Mighty Movie. Not surprising. Yeah, a lot of kids out there, parents looking to keep them busy for a couple hours. Yeah, it brought in twenty three million dollars, and then saw. Ten brought in $18 million. Speaking of too many sequels, (laughs) Saw 10? How is that? I thought we were at like three or four. How is that even a theatrical release at (laughs) this point? Now you remember the, the Nightmare on Elm Street? I think by the time they got to like six or seven they just Put them out on VHS. Sure. And that was when DVDs were being made. They didn't even bother putting them on DVDs. The creator made $14 million opening weekend at the box office.
2: That sucks because then if it doesn't make its money back, then they're not going to green light any other non-sequel movies.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, he should have just made another comic book movie. Yeah, totally. It looks good, though. And apparently it only costs $80 million to make, which is a modest hmm. budget for a film that looks as uh, intense as this one does.
2: Yeah, every movie seems to cost three hundred million dollars now, all these big budget movies. Right. Eighty the, million's not bad, I guess. And
0: the uh, the marketing that goes along yeah. with it. Maybe they should have spent a little more on the marketing. That's <laughs> <Yeah>, true. Because <laughs> yeah. they lost out to Paw Patrol. Yeah.